This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June 8th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk, and we are in the second trading week of June, and summer is coming up. I know here in Southern California, it is getting a lot warmer. I know it's over the weekend, I was at the beach yesterday, and it was nice, and it's even hotter today. So, you know, we're getting into the summer months, and there's still a lot to hash out with the markets, with the economy, with COVID-19 crisis, obviously the social unrest we're having here in the United States, but you cannot let it derail your goal of achieving financial freedom. That's why you are here. And on today's program, I will do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your finance and investing questions, just like we do every day, every weekday anyway. Obviously, you want strategies to deal with this level of volatility, and I'm here and ready to take your calls. So our lines are open, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, I quickly wanted to do a, a follow-up for kind of my open on, on Thursday you know, where I talked about how I learned long ago, early on in my career, that CNBC was not the place to find investments because it was biased because it just wanted to sell you. It just wanted to give you stories that you like. So you would watch and then they can sell ads, right? And I applied that to the mainstream media. Uh, well, I don't want to say mainstream media because I think the president confounds that with, you know, saying that it's just one side. Uh, but, you know, the rise of CNN, the rise of Fox News, the rise of these cable news stations, uh, you could apply that same logic to all of them is that they're just trying to get you to or the country to be divided because that's gets people to watch right gets people uh to pay attention and then they are able to sell ads now i want to follow that up with not only what not to do and that's why that's what i was kind of saying before was not to pay too much attention to that i think of watching these cable news stations as smoking cigarettes for the mind right uh, if you pop in every once in a while, you have a cigarette every once in a while, not a big deal. But if you're a chronic viewer of these stations, then obviously that becomes a bigger problem, right? Uh, so that was kind of saying what not to do. But I'll tell you kind of how how I do it, how I follow the news. Because you still need to know what the news is. It's not like you just turn it off and you're blind, you put blinders on and you forget about it. You can't do that either. There needs to be a middle ground, and that's the issue with kind of the, the world and the country as a whole is that doesn't nobody tries to find this middle ground. It's always, it's always one side or the other. Now, when it comes to news, this is kind of how I handle it is, first off, Reuters to me is your best friend. Uh, if, you go, if you go read Reuters, it's pretty much straight news. There's not a lot of commentary. Uh, the, the articles are pretty short because there's not a lot of expounding and prognosticating and, and you know, there's, there's really not a lot of interpretation by the writer. It's really up to you as the, the reader of the news. So, uh, and they have good business, uh, news as long as you're regular, as well as your regular news. So I definitely like that 
as, as a great news source. And then you can kind of make up your own minds. And obviously you want to read a lot of things. I read a lot of newspapers, not just uh, one newspaper, but many throughout the, the world and the country. Uh, Financial Times is kind of my go-to. Uh, and there's obviously more, there's more business bent to that, but uh, that's a great one. And I think newspapers are really important uh, in today's world. The, the journalistic integrity of most newspapers is far greater than any TV station that you're gonna gonna watch. Uh, not to say there aren't, you know, you know, ones that are biased or, or whatever, but you can actually read the same news story to different station or uh, newspapers you kind of see kind of way they the way they lean but reading newspapers is a great way to kind of keep yourself as center as possible and multiple like i said uh, and then when it comes to business news uh definitely reuters like i said bloomberg is uh, tends to be pretty straight down down the middle uh and then when it comes to data information information is very important where do you get it? a lot of people lean on yahoo finance which is terrible uh you know i always say there's three i really like morningstar is always great uh it's very conservative it can be very dry but uh their reports are are, are very unbiased right because they're being paid by people like like me, right? We subscribe to Morningstar, and maybe you do as well, and they have a lot of reports, a lot of free data on there as well, a lot of great free articles to really help you understand different areas of the market, different asset classes, et cetera. So that's a, that's a, a great, great tool. Uh, and then if you're a broker, if your broker has any type, any type of uh, research, Use that first. Don't just listen to some investment banks. There's a lot of conflict of interest there as well. So I hope that was a a good rundown to try to keep you centered in today's crazy world. Let's go to Al in Virginia. He's looking at Hertz. Yes. Hi, Justin. I'm hoping you can unpack a mystery for me. I don't understand how a stock declares bankruptcy. Carl Icahn gets out at 72 cents. And it doubles today and closed at about five fifty. What am I missing? You're not missing anything. It's just uh, you know I think a lot of newbie investors in the market right now. There's a lot of Robin Hooders out there that think they you know they're they're just riding that momentum and you know it's kind of that that last greater fool theory, right? Um, because the bonds on Hertz are still trading at 30, 40 cents on the dollar. It's not like the, the bond prices have recovered dramatically, right? Uh, so the, the bonds are still pricing in that equity holders are going to get wiped out. And to me, this is just simply novice investors chasing at the end of the day. And, uh, I, I don't think you're missing anything. Uh, I think it's just, uh, a symptom of, you know, the massive liquidity that uh, central banks are throwing in markets and it's flowing kind of everywhere. Uh, but we all know that eventually it comes down to fundamentals. Now, could it still go? I don't know. But, uh, you know, that that's the way I read it. It's just a lot of novice investors really not understanding what bankruptcy is. I would, I would probably venture to guess the majority of Robinhood investors have no clue what happens to equity when companies go bankrupt. So... Uh, I would, I would just write it off as that. Do you own it, or you look, you, you think you want to ride the ride? No, I bought some puts, and oh, okay. uh, you know, I I saw it go up after I bought the puts, and the yeah. only thing I saw that was possibly positive is that they're selling their cars, 
and I thought, okay, well, maybe there's some assets there that uh, they can take advantage of. Well, other than that, that, I saw nothing else going on in their favor. Yeah, if they did, if they if that was going to happen, I would imagine the bond prices should rally first, right? Because the bondholders are entitled to that liquidation value of the cars well before any equity holders are. So the fact that their bonds are still trading at 30, 40 cents on the dollar tells me that that's very unlikely to happen because institutions would be in there buying up uh, their their bonds rather quickly. And, I, and in fact, I was actually looking at their puts today as well. I didn't actually pull the trigger, but I was looking at the January 2021s at, you know, a buck, buck 50. They're going for, uh, let's see, a buck 50 is going for a dollar 10. So you would, if you go bankrupt, you'd get a dollar 50. That's, that's a pretty nice return, <laughs> you know, 40 cents on a dollar 10. $1.15, depending on where you can get it at, uh, is a pretty good uh, risk versus reward in my book. So that's what I was kind of, if I was going to fire on it, maybe you get the dollar ones for around 70 cents and you get a dollar when they go bankrupt. I think that's that's pretty good. Um, you know, I'm not recommending it, but that that's something that kind of piqued my interest. Um, so I like that you were looking at the put, puts. Thanks for the call, Al. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and the summer is coming up quick. But when will the economy back be back into high gear? How can you be better prepared for market swings? We can talk about this or anything that's on your mind. Your participation is important to the mix of this show. So we encourage you to call. And now I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions and provide you unbiased answers at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Hey guys, I am an early investor uh, just trying to get, get started building a portfolio. So I'm mostly investing in ETFs to get a diversified portfolio. Uh, but I'm looking at uh, Berkshire Hathaway, the uh, B uh, shares, Berk B. Um, it's looking pretty cheap at around 170. And uh, I know it's a diversified company. And uh, just wondering, does it, does it make sense to invest here uh, to sort of supplify, uh, supplement those indexes uh, through the ETFs? All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Looking at Berkshire B. Now, the way I do look at Berkshire is kind of its own mini ETF, right? Because it is very diversified. It's a diversified conglomerate, really. Their biggest operation is their insurance side. Or with Geico, there's also a, they also have a reinsurance group. They now have Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, so they're on the real estate side. The acquisition of Burlington Northern back in what 2008 9 time frame? I think it was 2009. They have utility, energy distribution. Uh, they have precision cast parts, and uh, they, they, they just are really industrial focused with the biggest part the insurance side. Uh, so, 
long term, certainly their return on equity, their return on invested capital has been pretty good. Although lately it's been actually fairly weak. And that's one of the reasons why the, I think the stock has struggled and been all over the pace for the past uh, few years is that it's just hasn't been that profitable of a business. Uh, not to say that, you know, they doesn't do well long term uh, from a price perspective because you're not you're not getting a dividend, right? Uh, but they have a lot of cash on hand, and they will be able to pick up some bargains. I'll say that uh, in the next next downturn. When you know, do we have another one? Is the question. Um, so, is as a supplement, I think it's fine. Small percentage of your portfolio, five percent, maybe ten at the max. Uh, you know, it's not my favorite name out there in the marketplace, but you know, I think you'll, you'll do, do all right because of the strength of the names within their portfolio, as well as the management team, but, uh, definitely not going to be a gangbusters, uh, return long-term. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story with mortgage rates at historic lows, COVID-19 has made homes less affordable. Now, why is that? Let's dig into this real quick. Now, mortgage rates, I've ticked up a little bit. They, I had a, a, my mortgage guy that I, uh, I talked to pretty regularly last week. He texted me, he said, you get 2.875 with no points, which was pretty crazy. And when was that? Yeah, last Tuesday. So I, I checked, I haven't checked in with him recently or since the, the bond prices started going up or bond yields, excuse me, started going up, uh, middle of last week. But, that's pretty interesting that the mortgage rates are down, but it's getting more expensive to buy a home. And I'll give you a couple of reasons why. First is inventory. Inventory remains depressed. And the lending standards are a lot tighter than they used to. The average credit score now for underwritten mortgages is over 700 which is pushing a lot of young buyers out who, you know, if you're between the age of 30 and 39, your average credit score is 673. So a lot of those are now pushed out of the market. So it's harder to, to get a loan. And if you do, it's probably going to be at a higher rate, right? Because you're going to premium if you have a lower, uh, lower credit score because banks are not willing to take that risk. Okay, so after the break, I'm going to continue with this. But you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Yes, the economy is reopening in phases, and most of us realize that the resumption of strong economic activity is going to take some time. And so we're going to talk about that here coming up on the jobs report. You are listening to Invest Talk. June is underway, summer is coming soon, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Before the break, I touched on the housing market and why it's becoming more expensive to, to buy a home, even with rates very, very low. And... One of the things I didn't touch on was the fact that there's a big reason why inventory is so low. And many will point to, oh, people aren't listing their homes because they don't want people walking through it. And that's certainly true. And that's a short-term thing, right? 
They don't want people, random people coming in that might spread uh, COVID to them. But what's more of a longer term trend that's affecting the inventory is the fact that existing homeowners now stay in their home for an average of 12 years, which is the longest tenure on record. I think there's a couple factors in that. One is baby boomers, right? Baby boomers overwhelmingly are the homeowners. And as you get older, you naturally don't want to move. You get used to your your home. Uh, you the, the process of moving becomes a lot more difficult as you as you get older. And on top of that, you have people that were underwater for many years post financial crisis, and you know some are just barely back above water. You know, 10, 12 years later. So all of that I think has contributed to the fact that so many people are staying in their homes uh, longer. Uh, they can refinance, right, at lower rates, so it's a lot cheaper. So it, it just becomes, there's a lot of factors uh, in, in play here, but ultimately that constrains the the overall supply. And home builders have learned or learned their lesson in many ways from the past crisis, and they've been careful not to overbuild. And therefore that oversupply isn't necessarily a big issue here. Uh, and all those things are creating a tight housing market in the near term. Now, if we still have 15 to 20 million unemployed people, excuse me, 15% unemployment, you know, six months from now, a year from now, that's eventually going to feed into the housing market. So remember, housing is very slow. You know, people are so quick to say, oh, the, how, the, the economy's down or something bad happened or rates went up uh, and prices are going to fall. Well, prices are only going to fall if there is a sustained imbalance between supply and demand. It can be both directions, right? In 2005, 6, 7, there were too many homes being built. Oversupply, supply overwhelmed uh, the, the, the buying pool and prices started to drop and that became a, a problem for banks. They stopped lending, people turned in their keys because they were underwater, et cetera, and it kind of snowballed on itself. In this case, it's probably going to be more of a demand issue that's going to need to erode the confined supply issue that we currently have in the marketplace and that will take can take years. So uh, understand that member in 2008, we didn't really bottom the housing market and bottom until 2011, 12 timeframe before we really took off. So it took a few years for the market to balance out. Now let's keep mo things moving. The next qu caller question came in earlier from Florida. As you know, the number they called is 888-99-CHART. Hello, thank you for taking my call. This is Marty from Florida. I mostly invest through my 401 at work, but I also keep cash on the sideline for situations such as this COVID-19 pandemic that we've had. Instead of me reinventing the wheel and looking and trying to figure out which charts I like best, can you give me an example of a couple charts that you have a tendency to utilize? And those charts that you utilize, which sectors of the market do you utilize them for? And under what circumstances you have a tendency to lean on those charts and use them as a reference. Thank you very much, and I appreciate you taking my call. 
I wish he was live because I could clarify his question a little better. I don't know if he's talking about chart patterns or specific charts to follow. Well, if you watch my YouTube video from Friday, the, the, I've been doing it right now, four, four, I did four videos so far. Uh, you'll see kind of the charts that I, that, that I look at and go over. Uh, some have a little more relevance in the, depending on the market. But, you know, I like to look at, look at the VIX uh, to see how elevated that is. Uh, that's something that I, I always watch because the lower that is, the calmer the market is, the, the odds are higher that the trend will just kind of float. The market will float higher because there's not a lot of risk in the marketplace. Uh, so that's something uh, to watch. I always look at ratios. I really like ratios of which sectors are outperforming, you know, the S&P. Uh, what areas of the bond market are outperforming versus underperforming. Uh, currency pairs, uh, that can tell you a lot, right? Gold to, say, the S&P. So there's, there's a lot to look at uh, in, in that sense. So if that's your, your question, there's, there's a few. Uh, if your other question, if your question on the other side was what patterns to look at, I always look at bullish and bearish consolidation. Uh, those to me are the most powerful, right? Where you have a move, you have a consolidation of that move, right? Where you kind of chop sideways and usually there's a resumption of that move. And those are the type of chart patterns I think are the most powerful for buying particular stocks. On the next Invest Stock, according to one analyst, the U.S. tech sector has been very resilient and there are five tech stocks to watch as the market recovers from COVID-19. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial Consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. All 50 states have started reopening their economies, but with different stages and at different paces. But now you've got finance and investment questions 
and Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Let's go to Gary in New Jersey looking at Alibaba. You looking to buy it, sell it, or give it away? Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I want to sell it. If it's currently sitting in my portfolio with some long term gains, I got into it a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, I, yep. I think it's a pretty good good value, uh, good kind of price to sell it at. It's sitting at about 10 to 12% of my portfolio. Um, so just kind of hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, we're actually short Alibaba. Uh, so I would definitely sell it. And if you do a ratio BABA to SPY, the S&P, it is threatening to break its 200-day moving average. It's certainly in a downtrend, so underperforming the S&P. Uh, and I think the the Trump administration is come, going to come down hard on, on China. You know, their their back is against the wall with uh, the social unrest, and so they need to. You know, he needs to show that he's doing something for the American people, whether right or wrong. Uh, this is kind of his strength is being hard on China. And I think that this will, uh, you know, he, he will, uh, he'll push it, uh, probably through Congress. There's gonna be some pushback, right? Uh, there's definitely some interests within Washington that want to keep the relationship in with China strong. Um, but I think the the backlash with uh, COVID-19 and everything that's gone with China is going to push some legislation forward that's going to force a lot of these companies to live up to what really what they should live up to, which is having being an equal standing when it comes to auditing and uh, accountability measures as our com- companies are. So uh, I think this is a fantastic time to be selling your Alibaba. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Ankit in Fremont looking at T-W-O, Two Harbors Investment Corp. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking yes. my call. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. was looking at this read uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the balance sheet and if you think it might be a good semi to long-term investment. Ooh, are you chasing that 20% yield? Kind of. <laughs> and it seems okay. to be pretty... Uh, undervalued given its last uh, five years of performance like so just caught my eye okay um pretty big volume today uh looks like it, it topped today to be honest with you uh, i think it looks like a lot of things kind of topped today but we'll, we'll see about that um mm-hmm. you know this is relative underperformer. Uh, if you know anything, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that these 20% yielding stocks are extremely high risk uh, in this mm-hmm. market. This is not what I would have wanted want to own. Um, so mm-hmm. I would a thousand percent pass on this. It's way too high risk. Uh, balance sheet uh, is definitely stretched, and uh, the underperformance compared to the market is is telling. So, uh, and I don't think that payout, I think you're, actually, it looks like they've cut it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I, I, if you look at the, the news, uh, their mm-hmm. dividend yield looking backwards is 20%. Their dividend yield looking uh-huh. forward is 3.6%. Oh, so they cut that also. Yes. So once again, okay. you know, this is why you don't chase those dividends, right? Because they can cut those dividends at any time. There's nothing <laughs> sacrosanct about a dividend. Management can 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 raise it tomorrow and cut it the next day completely. So 
Make sure you understand that don't chase dividends. Dividend investing is not about the current dividend yield or the past dividend yield. It's about the sustainability of that dividend. And clearly, they cut it. Mm-hmm. So this one is not has not been sustainable, and I would definitely pass on it. Let's go to Bill in San Rafael looking at NKLA, Nicola Corp. Let's see what they do. You looking to buy it? Uh, uh, just looking at it before, before I want to ask you about that, I just want to say thank you, uh, for advice. I've been listening to you for a long time and a bunch of sure. years ago, uh, Home Depot had a, a, um, a security breach and I was nervous cause I was holding shares and I asked you mm-hmm. about it and you said, no, nope, Home Depot is great for the long run. I've been holding shares for quite a long time and done quite, quite well. And I just want to thank you for that past advice. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for those kind words, Bill. You're looking at Nicola Corp, and this is this is interesting. Do you know what do you know about this name? Uh, I know that they they're in the transport business, and they they're a battery. It's a battery play, and they have coming to market a. It looks like a pretty cool truck, and trucks are big, and it's got a special battery like an electric truck, but the range is quite good. Uh, like I think up to a 600-mile range on this thing. And for to put a, a small amount in speculation for the stock, um, I'm just wondering what your opinion would be if, if it's something that could keep going up. Well, technically, you know, it's very strong after today. Uh, you know, it went from a close on Friday, about $35 a share. Now it's at 73. So what, I don't know, what is that on the day up, uh, 80% or sorry, 148%. So yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Obviously this news, um, typically these are, are kind of blow off top type of events when you go up that much and it would need likely a lot of consolidation. And, you know, it's about $2.3 billion market cap or $2.2 billion market cap right now. I don't know enough about this. You know, this is a story. It's a story. I don't know how many they expect to build, what the profit. It's just all complete speculation. Uh, You know, it could just be, you know, like that biotech stock that touted they had, a coronavirus vaccine a few weeks ago on CNBC, right? And then suddenly, you know, they're maybe they do a test and the test doesn't show that they have the same range. So I, I don't know enough about it to really give you an answer. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's from a technical perspective, it's extremely overbought and history tells me this comes back in and needs to consolidate. And maybe if it consolidates for, you know, weeks, maybe a few months, uh, it could have another uh, move higher. Uh, but there needs to be some more understanding, I think, by the market of what this actually means. Right now, it just looks like FOMO, chasing FOMO. Thanks for the call, Bill. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And yes, the economy is reopening and the clock is ticking and the calendar is advancing through uh, the year. I know it's been a long year so far, but you can't allow your retirement objectives to be controlled by a pandemic or social unrest. You need to take steps now to get your portfolio optimized and in line with your particular goals for retirement. And I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California. We can help you 
give you some pointers, uh, give you some options on how to have better outcomes over the long term. Now, whether you are a conservative investor edging close to retirement or maybe a younger investor looking for more, more aggressive uh, portfolio, aggressive strategies, we can customize an investment strategy designed to achieve your financial freedom goals while managing risk. So to get started with a no-cost portfolio review, please call or send us a message through investtalk.com. And now I'm here and ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investing questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have just recorded a new rapid fire hour. At a faster pace, you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. And now the phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888-99-CHART. Eight eight ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. I want to touch on the jobs report from Friday, and because you know it's it was kind of the start of economic news in relation to the restart, right? Because we know we came from a very we're coming off of a very low base. Uh, the GDP now figures somewhere negative 50-something percent uh, for the second quarter. But we also know that quarter's not over. And it's going to get better. That 54 is kind of probably to the trough of the shutdown before we really started opening anything up. So we know that's going to improve. So let's start with that. Now, the White House is going to tell you that the jobs number was fantastic. And guess what? Trump is great at that. That's what he is. He's a marketer. He's probably one of the best marketers ever. He Notice he spins everything. His spin is great. He, that's, that's what real estate is, right? If you talk to anybody who's in real estate, the, the best ones are those that can make real estate. You, they, they can craft a story around a property and make it sound like the best thing ever. Get people excited to spend top dollar. And that's what he's always been good at. So first off, it looks like a lot of people are getting back to work and that's good. That's a good thing. And that's a good thing. Now, the headline is that 25 or 2.5 million jobs were added in May. But if you look at what the labor department said is that they left off 4.9 million that were unemployed, temporary unemployed, and didn't count them. And so that 2.5 million million job losses actually was closer to 2.5 million, sorry, 2.5 million job gains was actually closer to 2.5 million job losses. Now, once again, that is the reality of it, but that doesn't mean that things aren't getting better. They are. I talked before about how continuous jobless claims continue to fall. And that's a positive. But we're entering this period over the summer where the data is going to be all over the place. 
and you're going to be able to spin it in a lot of different ways. Because, for example, 295,000 people, more people were permanently laid off in May. And we currently have 15.3 million unemployed classified as temporarily lost their job in May. And some of those are probably going to become permanent. So it's going to be all over the place. So try to block out those headlines because, and, and really dig into the data to understand it. You're really going to need to. It's not like a normal economy, right? We're, we're restarting. And remember, even if we got to 95%, that's still a very bad recession. Let's go to Carrie. Corey, sorry, Corey in Ohio looking at AT&T. Hey, Justin, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How you doing? Hey, appreciate it. I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to call and thank you guys. Uh, Since I've been listening to you over the last uh, year, I'm up about, uh, well, since I've been investing in my individual account since March, I'm up about 10% and 30% in my Roth. So appreciate you guys' input and uh, everything you guys do. No problem, no problem. You're looking at AT&T. Do you own it or are you looking to, to buy it? No, I, I own it. Uh, I bought it uh, back in March. Uh, bought some in March, bought some in April and May. And, and I'm up between you know 10 and 20%. I got it valued at roughly $38 a share, but I know it has a lot of debt. I'm just curious uh, if I should keep buying. Uh, I obviously, it has a nice dividend, but just wanted to get your thoughts on it. How much of your portfolio is it currently? It's about uh, 15%. Okay, so first off, that's too high. So definitely wouldn't buy more. Uh, Are you saving regularly to that account? Uh, Yes. Okay, so I wouldn't buy more. Uh, It sounds like you're a relatively new investor, so maybe uh, you're going to be adding to that, and hopefully if you add to the portfolio, that percentage is going to go down over time. So I would try to work that down either by saving more or selling off shares on rally to get down to definitely below 10%, probably closer to five is, would be my goal. Okay. Uh, uh, we okay. like AT&T. We own AT&T for clients. I own it. You know, we, we, we own it. Okay. We like AT&T. Now they do have a lot of debt, but their business is pretty sticky, which I like uh, about 80 ish percent of their revenue comes from their wireless side and and their acquisition of Time Warner. uh, That certainly is added a lot of debt, uh, was a risky acquisition. Even in a a tough economic time, that becomes somewhat of an issue. But like I said, 80 plus percent of their revenue comes from wireless, their wireless business, which is pretty steady. It's kind of like a utility. So that's why we like AT&T. You kind of have that that side that can kind of juice returns if they manage it right, right? They launch HBO Max and that's been been doing pretty well. And so we like it, but 15% is too high percentage of your portfolio. So what I would do is keep saving and look for other opportunities. And that will lower your percentage over time as you save over time. Thanks for the call, Corey. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, and it's helped you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And we are heading into our last break. 
So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Next Invest Talk. According to one analyst, there are five tech stocks to watch as the market recovers from COVID 19. What are they? Could he be right? That story tomorrow. Justin Klein is here now. He'll have unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Let's go to James in New York looking at Kellogg. Uh, yeah, I was hoping to buy uh, Kellogg. I kind of thought maybe the food space might be a good uh, place to be in right now. I currently have two positions in that industry, and I thought maybe Kellogg would be a good addition. I just didn't know if you advised to buy on a pullback, and if so, uh, what level would be a good place to pick it up? Yeah, Kellogg is definitely acting positive. The 200 is pointed higher as well as the 50, uh, I would a pullback anywhere in the uh, 30 or sorry, 64 to 65 range would be a nice entry uh, for Kellogg. So uh, I like it. I think it's pretty good value, uh, especially in this market. Let's go to Brian in San Mateo looking at Roku. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm doing well. Are you looking to buy Roku or do you own it? Well, I bought a small position today. And I wanted your take on the uh, the technical picture as well as what your thoughts were for maybe uh, the, the medium or longer term with that. Well, I like I like uh, the chart. I'll say that the chart. Uh, you know, you had to move up into late mid to late April consolidation into support, uh, pull back into support, and you had a little launch off uh, today, which to me. Technically, this looks relatively positive. Uh, I think it could retest the highs from May, which is around 135 or so. And now we're at one, was it 113 today? So technically, I kind of like the chart. Fundamentally, I don't love it. You know, their, their business is still not making money and valued at, uh, let's see, $13 billion right now. Uh, and they've they've never never really made money. Revenue's going up, um, but they're relying on advertising, uh, and they're they're trying to monetize the install base, and and they've done that to to some degree, but it remains a very very tough business that is not producing positive earnings or positive cash flows. So technically, from the short term, kind of like it, just just straight off the chart. But don't love the business long term at these valuations. Definitely too expensive. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento looking at SH. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering, what, what do you think about the buy on SH? A 20% chance, 50% chance, or 80% chance that you should buy it? I don't know if I would classify it 80 percentage-wise. Uh, I would say there's pretty good risk versus reward because basically you're shorting the S&P here. Uh, if you're buying uh, yeah. SH now, I, I I've said there there's a lot of check marks last week for the bulls with that surge higher and close a bu- bunch above a bunch of pretty decent resistance levels. Yeah. And w- we had another update today, it, but we're overbought. 
So the market needs to consolidate. And I think you're, this is to me a crucial month for both sides. Uh, the bulls, you've had your rally and up into resistance. You've crossed a lot of resistance levels, but you haven't crossed all of the hurdles yet. Okay. Uh, and in order to do that, I think it's going to need a little more power, right? We've moved very far, very fast. It needs to consolidate if it's going to break through to all time highs in the S and P. Now, if we fail, that just confirms that this is a bear market rally. And it also depends on how hard we fail is how depends on how far we're going to go down. Okay. So to me, the month of June is very crucial for both sides to really understand where this is going. And I think a big factor is what's going to come out of Washington. Is there going to be more stimulus? Is it going to be billion, $2 billion or just a few hundred billion? You know, what does that look like? Are they plugging more holes? Because yes, we're reopening, but there's still a lot of holes to be plugged. And if Washington gets too overconfident, I think that's a bad sign. So I'm definitely watching for that uh, to see our unemployment benefits extended, etc. What does that next stimulus package look like? But the month of June, I think, is very critical. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return tomorrow. Please remember to download our April bonus show podcast. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It is free. And please tell your friends about investtalk.com and help and the helpful resources on our website. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.